Happy Halloween and welcome to the Spoiler Alert podcast, people. Today, myself, Nate, and Dakota, my co-host, are going to be reviewing John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. So the opening credits for Halloween, there's the music that is always very recognizable with Halloween and Carpenter does it himself, um, which is pretty, pretty impressive. I'm not sure how many movies he's done it. I know I that I, Assault on Precinct 13, uh, Escape from New York. I know the thing was a Neo Morcone. Yeah. It's uh, like a really simple theme in that one, but it's just it's scary as shit. Dun, dun. Mm-hmm. So it sticks in my mind. So yeah, it's yeah. like like the hol- the Halloween theme is just super simple. It's probably like I'm not not a great musical mind, but like it it's, appears to be like three notes. It is probably pretty simple, but it's it's good. I mean, it's, yeah, I'd say it's up there with like, I'm trying to think, you know, some of the more iconic themes like tubular bells from the exorcist, Jaws, you know, when you think horror themes, Halloween's probably somewhere in there, you know, it's, maybe it's, not at the very it's, top. It's but. at least like in, it's like, it's at least like in a conversation, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it might not like, if you're making a list, you know, it might not rank super high, but it's in a conversation. Yeah, I could see it making the top, it's just as far as being iconic i mean um, memorable you know, psych- recognizable yeah psycho you know it'd be another, i mean like go, mm-hmm. yeah I, top five top ten i think we kind of have a jack-o'-lantern like in the on the side of the frame as we're getting mm-hmm. the credits in the main like three like three-fourths of the fi- of the frame and uh we slowly just push into a jack-o'-lantern's eye and then we get a uh, location and date that says Haddonfield, Illinois, 1963. It's all a one shot. It's all like a long take. Yeah. And for, for long takes, like it's definitely become popular among like, like, I don't want to say Oscar Beatty movies because I like a lot of these movies, but like. And I love the like, one take, even if it is showy, like, but yeah, it has become a lot more commonplace. It really kind of came back with Gravity and well children of men before it i would say was the first really oh yeah one. for sure but Atonement. it got but it got hot again like in the 2010s yeah with like gravity and like that one episode of true detective well um, i mean gravity was the same director of children of men so that's probably you know why mm-hmm. but there's a connection. i guess it was i mean they're not real one takes he's using digital stuff there but it the illusion was there um atonement had one russian arc though was a whole movie uh, that did a one take so like without cutting anywhere in there like so that was madness it went for like i think two hours two and a half like 1917 i don't know if you got around to seeing that one yeah, That's like- i saw that in theaters that was i know it's not obviously all one take again they're digitally you know but yeah that was really cool yeah and there are like scenes too where like if if you go into all black like that's mm-hmm. when you can tell okay someone's definitely making a cut here yeah, you can tell. I think I think once you become aware of the gimmick, you keep an eye out for. It. I think there was another where he jumps into the river. I think something around there. It's kind of been used a lot lately. Uh, but at, the t- at this time, I mean, it's really novel. And then on top of that, the point of view, sh- the first person perspective is just. I mean, it's still really cool. Practically undone at that point. Yeah, the POV scene just does like a really good job of putting you in a character that you're uncomfortable with you know what i mean yeah because it's like it's you're scared for the murderer you know like you don't want to get caught it's like oh shit she sees you you know shut her up you know so like i mean and then you're like wow this is i mean which is what they were going for you know like um 
and it does that extremely well. So that it's a wildly uncomfortable movie because it literally puts you in the shoes of the killer, you know. And in this case, it's we're a young child, we're a young boy, uh, yeah, who is spying on his sister, uh, uh, who's like getting it on with her boy. This would probably be the start of that trope: the the horny teenagers getting it, and so. Yeah, yeah and, and like the virgin being the survivor. Yeah, it's almost okay. ridiculous. Like everybody, they're rabbits on Halloween, I guess. So, you know, like... Um, so like in this specific scenes case, we don't actually see too much of a sex scene, but uh, we see must that... must have lasted like two whole seconds. I mean, this guy's like... There is a two- lot of short sex scenes in this movie. Like a lot of like two pumps and we're done. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, this dude's a two-pump chump. I don't even know how he had time to, like, he's put his shirt back on. Like, how'd you even have time to get it? Like, it, it's all in hey, 20 seconds. So, boyfriend leaves. Uh, the character we're in, the POV of, is Michael Myers. And he walks up the steps and sees his sister naked, aside from some panties. She's, like, fixing her hair. And yeah, first tip off to that to kid really is I've been mean, seeing his hand extended and then you see it's a little kid's hand, which is, you yeah, know. Yeah, and actually the first, I think the first time we, we see it is like he opens a door and then the next time we see it is he just opens up a drawer and grabs a huge fucking knife. Oh, yeah. With, <laughs> yeah, he's trying with, to figure out the height stuff. It doesn't always seem quite right. He seems maybe a little tall. Yeah, for it almost <laughs> looks like an animatronic, like, arm extent like you know one of those things where you're at like oh, a grocery where if you work at a grocery store you have like one of those extended arm things yeah no i have one of those here because there's stuff always falls behind the stove so i, I use that to grab uh, yeah spices it, it, it kind of looks like one of those in, in some yeah. scenes but whatever i give them pass um yeah. but like it's just you know like and the sound design in this movie is very is very interesting because like I don't know. There's just the sound design around when they pick up the knife and everything is just very noticeable. So Mike, Michael Myers stabs his sister to death, walks back out and he's wearing a clown mask at this point. Cause that's when he went to, with you, he, he went to Halloween as a clown and uh, walks outside and the parents pull up and pull off his mask. And then we see it's a kid we we pan out that's when like the first big cut happens is when they pull off the mask and then uh the prologue ends and going in a little more about like the kind of like the sex trope and like how like you know it seems like the teens that have sex get killed in horror movies i think a lot of that is always rooted partially of psycho too is like there's so much like horror built around sex like horror yeah, films yeah. built around sex because i think like it's a re- it's a relatable anxiety that people have you know fear of intimacy fear of rejection fear of you know what i mean like not fitting in like yeah, yeah fear that's of not what i was thinking in, like glory yeah i'm trying to think why there's it's so sexually oriented like this one uh because yeah like when you stop it works in the moment when you stop and think about it like everybody's getting groovy on halloween it's literally Lori that's the exception so i think as it went on it makes like i think um you know with with friday the 13th and all that i think really became there's pretty people and teens are kind of annoying and so people are going to enjoy watching them die, but they also, you know, you get to look at pretty people can like, it just seemed like a winning recipe. Like it's basically yeah. indulge every 
based, you know, gore, sex, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do think there are a lot of horror movies that do blend it in probably a more sophisticated way, psychosexual thrillers and stuff, but I'm and then, not sure if there's any meaning in Halloween. But yeah, I'm sure like a lot of movies definitely just use uh, sex as like a purpose, uh, you know, entertainment with some of the other movies, like like you mentioned, like Psycho, Halloween, uh, Silence of the Lambs, kind of at least in its own way, uses the uncomfortability of sex or like misunderstood sex, things like that to kind of get people at like a primal level, you know what I mean? And then you have them at the logical level as well with like a good story built in there. I definitely think that's in this movie because so much of this movie is about that. Yeah, there is something creepy about Michael, like just walking in on his naked sister. You can see the clear inspiration from Psycho. I mean, he's got plenty of sexual issues in that. I mean, I I don't think it ever brings them out fully, this one. But I mean, Mm -hmm. there probably is something more there than in, say, Friday the 13th, where I really Mm -hmm. just don't think that's terribly thought out. It's just people like to watch teens get it on, but also get killed because they're annoying and you know it's like so like it just yeah so gore and tits and i i don't think friday the thir- i mean even simple things like the mask in in halloween at least has a purpose you know and in friday the 13th i think it was just clearly in, uh uh imitation you know uh here in halloween um you know he's wearing the mask because he's reliving that night i mean yeah he's yeah. trying to relive uh his initial kill you know for like michael myers psychology is like kind of rooted in like not understanding how to rationalize sex because like in a in a weird like maybe Freudian way he has this knife which is like which is kind of like a dick like penetrating you know he's not logically thinking like oh this is how you fuck it's like almost (laughs) right but it's like almost like a psychological It's like a psychological fucking key. Doesn't, you know, understand how to fuck. So he has this knife to do it for him. Yeah, I I guess I didn't think about it. I'm like, I mean, because like everybody in this movie is just getting groovy. And I didn't think like maybe he's killing them because of that. Or he's just killing them because they're there to kill, you know? I mean. Yeah, so everyone's just getting on. This is almost a, almost could have been a good Valentine's Day opportunity. Do Halloween on Valentine's Day. And then we cut to Smith's Grove, 1978, October 30th. And Smith's Grove is like a town where there's a big mental hospital, you know, like hospital for the criminally insane or whatever, wherever he ended up getting sent to. Yeah. And there's a doctor and a nurse driving through the rain at night, talking about how they had to transport Myers to a court they pull up into the into the into the institution and this part's really creepy is there's just like people wandering around in all that darkness and rain and so yeah they're they're just shambling around yeah it's really creepy almost zombie like you know they start to get to the gate to make sure that that's all sealed up that to make sure that that's sealed up or whatever or to open the gate well dr loomis yeah what was it he goes up to the gate and leaves the nurse behind um Mm -hmm. and yeah then that's when she gets attacked um yep she gets attacked by a patient on the roof he's like punching holes into the windows uh she's terrified she ends up getting out he climbs in 
dries off and blasts through the gate. Yeah, and then Loomis is like, the evil, it's escape. I mean, you know, so he sounds <laughs> fucking crazy. And then I think he just like leaves her there in the ditch with all these criminally insane people walking around, uh, which doesn't seem like a great idea, but whatever. We flash back to Haddonfield, uh, 1978, the morning of Halloween. Lori is walking to school and also walking by the Myers house to leave a key because her father's like a like a real estate agent or something yeah. and his her father's like trying to sell that place somehow um right yeah nobody in all this time which and that place is just rotted like boarded up yeah it looks like shed so i mean I, like luck i guess <laughs> but we see like like that he's there like mike that michael myers is there and we see like but yeah she walks off singing to like down the sidewalk and he just steps steps in front of the camera and watches her walk away like the first like woman that he's like taken eyes to yeah and uh, she's singing like some love song or something like just the two of us i wish I, or something some yeah. crap i don't yeah like so and at this point he's wearing like this jumpsuit so we kind of wonder how he gets that that's answered in a little bit yet because like he just had like these white pajamas on before so like he looked like an insane person so he had to change his clothes he has like a car that's like that was the nurse and loomis's car so he's rolling around in that he he actually ends up following to uh the little kid because or the little brother because little brother is getting picked on by these bullies and they're like the boogeyman the boogeyman and it's it's specifically the boogeyman is supposed to be michael my like it's become um uh an urban myth or you know or well mm-hmm. suburban myth whatever mm-hmm. i mean here you know like that uh that killing from 15 years ago the the kid that killed us so you know they talk about it and and that becomes relevant i think later in the film where they go mm-hmm. to the house themselves you know on a dare um but yeah they're saying the boogeyman is going to get you and uh he's got his pumpkin there and and i think one of the bullies actually runs into michael myers and myers like scare kind of scares him i don't know if myers is wearing the mask at that point because well, like no, that would be creepy. his hair but he could still be wearing the mask because i think it's open in the back isn't it so yeah, because yeah, that would raise a lot of questions if I were like a teacher walking around. I'm like, oh, wait, that janitor's got a mask on like a fucking <laughs> psycho. Well, either way, it uh, is technically Halloween, but not true. Halloween night. So, you mm-hmm. know, might still be a little weird. Either either way, it works with the movie. I think he ends up getting back in his car or something like that. And then tracking the brother for like at least like half a block. Dr. Loomis tries to... Uh, tries to warn the people in in the hospital like what the fuck is going on like you let the evil loose like like I've been talking to this I've been having like therapy sessions with this guy for 10 fucking years and I've gone insane from just listening to him yeah yeah he sounds like a nutter himself and then it's also creepy because it's like the inversion usually usually it's the cop that's like I can't believe they're letting that scum loose but it's actually the doctor that's been charged with you know, like, yeah. I mean, looking, yeah, so it just makes it creepy that the doctor's like, he should never, ever be let loose. He's evil <laughs> incarnate, you know? There's, he gives, like, this big speech, like, from fucking Jaws about how, like, he's got the blackest eyes. You know, it's like it's like the, 
the Indianapolis speech. If you haven't seen a shark's eyes go black, it's like that, you know? So yeah, just, <laughs> he is evil incarnate, which sounds ridiculous too, because we were talking about a kid at the time that he's charged with looking after him. So he's, I mean, I guess the omen had just come out a couple of years before this, the, the mm -hmm. Richard Donner movie and, you know, but yeah, I mean- and Most people would say if a kid even did a murder like that, that the, like, that like, it's like, oh, they didn't understand what they were doing or- <laughs> whatever 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 but let's yeah, like, like nope this guy evil. is not a sympathetic character um yeah. nothing redeemable about him he is just he is evil so it's just okay to hate him <laughs> they pull up on a crashed like car that was like a garage mechanic car loomis is there on the phone talking to people about it and that was how he got the jumpsuit because it's obviously like a car mechanics jumpsuit and i think i would imagine that's also how myers got gas because it's 150 miles from the institution to haddonfield is what the, is what uh loomis mentions so he would have to go to gas at some point with no money they don't show that scene, but that's how that scene would play out is like, he probably like either knew how to pump his gas or forced him to pump or forced the mechanic to pump his gas and then ended up killing the mechanic. Well, and then it, it said that obviously, because I mean, yeah, the, the, the movies actually, I mean, you know, some of the acting isn't great. Some of the dialogue can be a little cheesy, but it, it it's smarter than, yeah, I mean, it does think about those things. It says that like, obviously he's been, uh, in here since he's a kid so he doesn't know how to drive somehow mm -hmm. he learned uh which is puzzling you know because like i mean because yeah. i think the cop says well he he doesn't know how to drive he can't get far he's like well he's doing pretty good last night you know where he hijacked the the bloody mm -hmm. car so we don't know how he managed to do it but yeah and then and gas would be a consideration i i actually i think i missed that um so it's cool that they factor it in i mean yeah it would almost be a cool scene to actually see but like maybe it does maybe it does take away from like the time we need like to establish Lori as a character. Well, Loomis seems convinced he's going to go back to his hometown, which other people he's trying to convince everybody of that because they're like it's too far. He's not going to make that distance, you know. And Loomis is sure that he will. So, so yep. So then we cut from that garage mechanic scene, and Lori and her friends are walking down the street after school, talking about boys, talking about who they're going to take out, who they're hanging out with tonight. Because yeah, everyone, everyone wants to is is get is getting some tonight on Halloween. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, good on them. Uh, <laughs> but like this, like car comes by and it kind of looks to them like a car of a guy that they know, jokingly like holler at them, and it just stops super creepy because it's like the audience knows that it's a fucking murderer, but they don't. But, but even at that point, they're like they're kind of freaked out you know um yeah they're so. a little freaked out too because that's like not something that whoever they were mistaking it for would probably have done like it's just like sit there like all creepy myers starts like hiding in plain sight basically like oh, behind the like he's, yeah he's behind the guy this hedge and we just see so we just see him in a mask behind a hedge and it's well, like they, well he's in the middle of the sidewalk and then he you know yeah. behind the hedge yeah like they like her and her friend annie see him just kind of like in broad daylight and by the way at this point he's wearing a mask which you probably know dakota but i'll explain to anyone else that that mask is actually directly based off of 
uh, William Shatner's character in Star Trek. Uh, they modified it a little bit. I'm still not sure if they ended up paying Shatner for the likeness. Probably not. <laughs> uh, he probably could ask for that. Maybe he had some settlement. <laughs> Annie like jumps behind the bush to see who's there, kind of pulling uh, Lori's leg, saying like, oh, it's this guy. He's asking you out. But he had like disappeared at that point. And it becomes obvious at this point based on their conversation that Lori never goes out most likely like a high school virgin she's always stuck babysitting because she's got a little brother and she babysits her friend's little sister a lot yeah she just never really gets a chance to like be on her own and they're talking about like a guy that she liked before they get they get in the car to start smoking the weed uh yeah uh she she grabs something from her house and from her room and she looks down through the window and by like the clothesline, just again, just like in plain sight, which is almost creepier than like a jump scare or anything like that. Yeah, that's, uh, doing uh, broad is, daylight scares is really hard. And this would be, you know, an early example of that. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. just like Mike, Michael Myers just sitting by the clothes, standing by the clothesline, staring up at her. And then she looks away real quick, looks back and he's gone. And then she hops in the car with Annie and they start smoking the weed. And then that's when they really start talking about boys and stuff. And, you know, well, Annie's dad is a cop earlier. Lori, there's a jump scare where she bumps into Annie's dad. Right. Uh, who's investigating the house. But he is the only cop in the town, basically. Like we don't see they <laughs> yep. didn't have money One for anybody cop. else, I guess. Also, Lori smoking weed is kind of it's not like she's totally adverse to you know, maybe yeah, partying yeah. or hanging out. Yeah, she lets, I mean, she's not really like judgmental of any of her friends or anything because they're always like, she's just always stuck watching. You can tell the friend does this all the time, dumps a little sister on her to babysit. And so, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's all stuff that's going on around her, but, uh, you know, she just doesn't partake or whatever. You know, she's committed to the babysitting thing or whatever, right? For yeah. whatever reason. It's just the whole like social thing and like, not going out a lot, like you said, m- mostly down to like the combination of her being busy and maybe just like not that like self-confident, which is like another super common high school fear that people have. It's like also just like effective for getting the subconscious kind of scare in, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, you just kind of project your own thing, your your own anxiety. I mean, it's, it's nebulous you- enough where yeah her dad's like a cop like you mentioned and there's police next to this hardware store that got broken into where it's like oh yeah they stole some knives damn kids well and a mask some rope i can't remember what else but yeah like so so the doctor and the cops start investigating the house they i think they find a dead dog off screen but yeah and, yeah they don't the hell, say he got like hungry or something i i don't i'm not sure if i understood that scene is like the implication that michael myers ate the fucking dog like or did he just torture it or uh i honestly the cop like, says like this no man would have done this and loomis is like he is no man you know like you get really that's sort of well, he did something and i think it, very awful and i think it's related to a dog and he does awful things to a dog a later so <laughs> or a skunk yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't i'm confused but that's okay uh yeah. 
I actually like Halloween's jump scares where on lesser movies, especially in like this last decade of horror, all a movie can provide sometimes is jump scare, jump scare, yeah, jump scare. I, a lot of conversations uh, in video games and movies like that jump scares are, you know, in, like obviously psychological horror is more sophisticated and it's hard. I mean, but I don't think jump scares are an inherent negative. I think a lot of people not not yeah, right. I mean, I think some people lean on it too much. Yeah, that that's the only thing. But it's not like yeah. it's an inherent negative. Jaws yeah. with the the shark coming out of the fucking water. I mean, those are jump scares. You know, and they're great. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're not an inherent negative. So, but yeah, yeah. if you it's the doctor and the cop gave a reason why not to alert more people. The whole idea was that people are going to be calling in uh nonstop saying that they've seen him and he wanted all the men concentrated on that area which so maybe that scene would have worked better if we saw any other cops but it's just the one cop so it's like no everybody needs to be on this street but it's literally the one cop and really the doctor did most of the copying in this movie yeah which is basically he's just hiding behind the hedge i think the same hedge that michael myers was like so I'm like anywhere in there he could have gotten made. He's wearing like the the detective trench coat and everything. I'm like, you'd be a pretty bad PI because you're just standing next to a hedge. Like that's not very <laughs> concealed. So that's the plan. Don't uh he's gonna stake it out. Oh yeah, the other thing I thought was weird is that the cops like because Loomis is jumpy as hell with the gun. Like he mm -hmm. pulls a gun and the cops like, you know, well, whoa. I mean, you know, and he's like, Oh, I have a license, it's okay. So he decides to leave Loomis at this place with a gun i mean that just seems like you're asking for some kind of violent altercation to happen while you go and do i don't know what the cops going off to do talk to other cops i guess for the whole movie or something about yeah. not it on the airwaves i think <laughs> so yeah um, yeah the 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 cop isn't really doing his job and his daughter dies because of it yeah uh, Lori is watching movies and eating popcorn with her little brother babysitting. Her brother asks, like, what's the boogeyman? And he's never heard of the boogeyman, you know, he's connecting those two. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. Uh, yeah. Well, I think the conversation kind of gets cut off because Annie calls Lori and says that she she took yeah. the initiative and told uh, the boy that Lori said that she was kind of into uh, that like Lori's into yeah. him and then he kind of got excited I think you need to have that you know like a character yeah. that yeah there's hope like she's gonna meet a boy and you know whatever and uh like like or, yeah maybe Halloween night ends up where everybody is fucking including Lori and no one dies well <laughs> yeah that's that's how the movie it's just a porno after this point you know and <laughs> yeah. Michael Myers finds a healthy outlet for his sexual uh you know yeah it's, it's, it's masturbation <laughs> the end no um he's and he's actually and this is nighttime at this point it's dark he's looking inside their house while she's on this phone call and Annie's dog starts barking and he just it's kind of like the scene in terminator 2 you know yeah or, yeah, yeah. So. kills the dog just <laughs> um yeah. uh and then we cut back to the movie night with laurie and her brother and it's howard hawks's the thing so the original yeah. the thing 
it's it's just very cool that the thing happens because in years like five years later he makes the thing um yeah while they're watching that movie movie annie does the laundry and it and we're pretty much certain at that point that like myers is gonna kill her while doing the laundry but it's kind of a fake out because just barely the little sister comes and kind of ruins that well yeah well it's not that you get the sense he wouldn't kill kids i mean i but um and i I guess it's not terribly important but she locks herself in and then she tries to climb out through the window and gets stuck and the sister's watching tv and she's it's the perfect opportunity for him to just kill her in every which way but uh (laughs) it doesn't actually end up happening that way in the yeah, I think the the uh, cop dad calls and says, you know, just I don't know, tell your sister hi or something. So maybe I'm just sorry. checking in because like he he's like, oh yeah, there's a murder on the loose. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> that what that's even about? I think I thought he was just like, yeah, I still exist. I'm still you know doing things, talking. Yeah, co- cop is a little useless in this film. You didn't think about it until we started talking about like, yeah, he just disappears as far as I remember, like for the rest of the movie. So after being saved by her little sister in that way, Annie takes her little sister over to Lori and drops her off. She's she going to go. Book. She's going to go bang. Her boyfriend calls right after she's rescued. He's, you know, you get this yeah. really cheesy dialogue. Yeah. Anyway. So she drops off her sister walks over to her car she's singing a song uh, with paul in the title it's a interesting thing because you see the fog out on the inside and she's like confused about it and like a little spooked and then all of a sudden he's behind her strangles her and then i think gets one stab in and yeah, I, he dead. slashes uh i think a carotid artery and and uh it's mm-hmm. and then she ends up on the on the horn of the car but uh so something I noticed is he starts moving bodies. So he's at least as pure evil and homicidal as he is. He's at least intelligent enough to not let her sit on the horn of the car. And he yeah. moves another body and later he on. He hides them in cabinets. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, so she's killed in the car. And the little brother, like you just mentioned, actually witnesses him carrying Annie into the house. And the little brother at that point is freaking the fuck out. The cop, the like the cop visited visits Doctor Loomis by the by the bush, and he's oh, like, yeah, okay, you know, so he I'm starting not to believe you. You know, I well, okay. maybe he's not even gonna be here, <laughs> right? Which again, the cop cops just useless. That's barely even worth mentioning. But co- <laughs> cops, useless. It, it, no, I blanked on it. So yeah, I mean, he's but well, okay, but at least they keep him around. Uh, yes they they keep him established at least a little bit here and then uh a couple that are i think the i think the woman's name is linda is what i got to but like these were like these are like base almost totally new characters i think well she appeared in that first scene with the drive-by i think with the with the drive-by she was was the other one for that um yeah so i think her name is linda and i don't know her boyfriend's name don't remember it but they both, looking dude I yeah mean, yeah so they both go into annie's house thinking that annie's gonna be there or whatever they're um, both pretty drunk i think uh yeah yeah i think that was the other other thing so like there's you know beer cans spilling out of their the, the truck or whatever yeah so you know and, 
And that's when Lori looks out the window and she's like, oh, everyone's fucking tonight. And she gets a phone call from Annie's by Linda saying that like, hey, Annie's not here, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Lori's like, yeah, it's because she went over to her boyfriend's. And she's like, I'm I'm babysitting her sister now. And then they're like, oh, so the sister's not going to come in today. Great. And then they go off to start fucking. As you um, do. I mean, you know, you're just right, yeah. probably in Annie's parents' bed. You know, the cop is off doing important things, so he's not going to be back, presumably. So, yes, they're getting it on in Annie's home. Two seconds, and he's, you know, yeah. Like, like he's just Grab, Give me shit. a beer. Yeah. And, then, and then she's like, no, you give me a beer. Yeah, um, I, I like the dialogue. It was, I mean, it is, again, it's amusing, so I think it's almost deliberate, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah. he goes down to get a beer, uh, gets killed by Myers, pinned to, to like strangled and hoisted up and then stabbed and pinned to the wall with the knife, which is a pretty cool image. Yeah, and it's, it, it's probably the first example, because I know this is something that comes up a lot about like Michael Myers almost being a supernatural being. And I don't know if Halloween 2 ever explains that or if, I'm sure... The later ones do. I don't know what the explanation is. I think they do address it, but that would be the first indication because I mean, he stabs just a kitchen knife all the way through, manages to prop the guy up. There are a few other examples like just superhuman strength and like he gets shot like 50. Well, I'm getting head, but he gets shot like 50 times, stabbed 50 times, keeps coming back. So later movies try to ret- retroactively explain that it's like he's evil itself or something. I don't know. But, um, I, I, I like the simplicity of the first one. So then Myers wears a ghost sheet and puts oh. on the glasses, kind of pretending to be him, to be the boyfriend. Yeah, and she kind of like believes it for a minute, but then he starts being a little weird. Well, she makes a phone call to Lori. I mean, because yep. she's just ignoring him at this she point. makes a phone call to Lori, and then that's when uh, Myers starts strangling her with the phone cord. So Linda's getting strangled. Sounds like sex to Lori, so she's kind of like, just what a sick joke. And yeah, that's a scene I didn't understand. Like, because I'm like, because as you do, like, be like, God, you guys are fucking perverts. Like, I mean, like, what the fuck is this? You know, just but rubbing um, it in. Rubbing but yeah, it but in. then she seems worried. So, right, but she ends up going over there anyway. I guess she's a good friend. I mean, yep. I don't think I would enough that she goes over there anyway. And she goes up to the bedroom and Loomis had come like one of the first things he did when he was in town is check the gravestone to Michael Myers sister and that gravestone was removed. So we just see like an empty thing. That was the other supernatural flashback to what we were just talking about. Lori, uh, Lori climbs up the stairs, opens up the bedroom door and then on the bed is a dead Annie and then right above her at the head of the bed is the gravestone uh, of Michael Myers' sister. And Lori's freaked out about that, backs into a closet. There's a dead guy, jump scare, fl- flops down and swings down. That's right. a really good jump scare. And then she gets scared of that, falls into another closet where there's another, or where there's like Linda dead. And yeah. then I think like the other guy that was dead too. 
so basically she's like backing into all of the dead bodies that he created um, all her friends yeah i mean two which is kind of fucked up so i don't know i was i was kind of debating like what i thought about jamie lee curtis's performance because this is one of her first it was introducing Jamie. Yeah, it says introduce, so I think it's her first. So yeah, usually when like a film says introducing, it's their first, if not their one of their first. For a first time actor, I think she does a pretty damn good job. She's um, probably one of the better. Um, yeah, because a lot of it's pretty uneven. I mean, like, it is. It is a little uneven. Like some of the. Like, I think, like, her acting at the very, very end is at its strongest. Um, I think she's but, always good enough. I, it's kind of the, mm-hmm. like, Annie, I hate to say, is, you know, just kind of the, I, I don't know, evil dead levels of act. I mean, you see a lot of that. With, I mean, yeah. it's not, I, yeah. I do like, for instance, though, like, because we were just talking about it, uh, I do like she- Shelley Duvall. I honestly do like better in The Shining than... Uh, I like then Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Oh, um, yeah, that's just a personal thing for me. Being terrified over and over and over can be difficult to do. Well, that's what I was saying about Shelley Duvall. Like, I thought, you know what I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like fear is so debilitating. So, I mean, I guess in there she has this maternal drive. So it's kind of convinced. There are other elements because, I mean, I think there are just some things that are so heart attack inducing that it's kind of almost hard to believe the character would even do anything but just freeze up and die you know so giving them a drive or motivation i guess is a good way around that and here her drive is really getting those kids safe yeah um one of my favorite scenes in the movie is how like you just barely see michael myers's face yeah just barely through those shadows and then um, he tries to lunge at her with a knife, but then but he tries to lunge at her with a knife, but then she falls down the stairs. Well, he and, gets her. I think he gets her in the arm somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah it she flashes like her shirt for sure. Yeah, she falls over the. Well, I don't know how she's not dead. She looked like she's. Uh, she definitely fucked I mean, up her leg because she's yeah. limping when she gets out. Which uh, right. I feel. I, I'm starting to think. You know, after having watched The Shining too, you know, maybe like a limp in in like the final chase scene is like a little more scary for if you're the if you're the victim and if you're and a little more intimidating if you're the uh, villain right yeah i mean yeah because that's it's just like a weird way of walking well, so, it's a bit, yeah it's yeah it's and it became a total trope i mean obviously like friday the third all of those you know end with the chase and the girl well or i mean not even end i mean it happens they're tripping and they're falling and there's i mean so that whole thing they sprain their ankle and yeah it, it became but this is an earlier example so again like a lot of the things that became tropes and you know and, and again we i think we talked about in one of our videos about like the 90s almost becoming self-parodying and self-referential and that with the scream and whatever mm-hmm. at a time at one time they were really original and I having spent a lot of time away from these kinds of movies like you know now I mean I think I mean Halloween feels fresh if you spend time away from, if you watch Halloween and then 20 more Halloween movies or however many there are on the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elms and all like it you know but on its own in isolation after a number of years like it, it does work I see what was really appealing about it so she limps over to the neighbors 
and it's just screaming for help like bloody murder yeah. and since it's halloween or whatever they don't believe her and then just shut off their lights and leave right. kind of shitty neighbors even for being halloween and worrying about like pranksters yeah i mean she's screaming bloody murder like you said i mean i i might pay some attention but they, yeah yeah um but um, good acting was i think the point with that was i mean when she's banging on those doors that was like i think a good piece of acting you know like I for sure that, so. for sure she gets back into her house uh she's hiding behind a couch turns off the lights tells the kids to hide uh she ends up stabbing michael myers in the neck with a sewing needle a pretty long one like it was substantial like she thought she killed him she goes Which back she probably should have because he pulls it out too i mean he i mean mm. so he survives that um yep then... um she so she goes back up to the kids and like tell them like I don't think he's going to hurt us anymore. He, he's the boogeyman's not around anymore. And then he's, and then like little brother's like, but you can't kill the boogeyman. Uh, and then that's just when we see Michael Myers coming up the stairs. She shoves the kids in like the bathroom of the master yeah. bedroom. And then she goes over to the closet. The closet's like the famous, I think like the most famous scene where like he's hacking his way through the through the closet door breaking shit apart and just in time she's able to get a coat hanger undo the wire and then poke him in the eye and well straight stab him in the eye Mm -hmm. and stuns him enough to drop his knife and then she gets a good stab into his gut i I think she tells the kids to just run like hell find a cop find yeah she she says to the kids to go get help go to the neighbor's yeah, yeah she I mean, has her back turned to him and then and then another spooky as fuck scene is him just sitting up like and he's out of focus too so it's like he's kind of blurry it just and there's mm-hmm. already it's dark and yeah it's just a creepy image so yeah and then he starts strangling her and uh she fights back and t- rips off his mask briefly so that's always I, i'm not sure how many times in the other movies his mask actually gets ripped off I totally forgot about that scene. So I was really surprised by it actually, because I forgot that we ever even saw his face. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah, but we do. And it's kind of, again, they, it's really quick. There's a lot of shadow. So, and there's something that looks kind of weird about it. Kind of like Texas chainsaw or Hills. Like sort of, I don't know, malformed. Kind of like dead eyes. Yeah. He pulls it back on. And then just as that happens, the doctor comes, comes in because he's been staken out the other place saw the the neighborhood. Kids run out of the house screaming uh, right he saw the kids screaming he uh gets like at least four or five shots into michael michael myers shoots him off the balcony and looks like he's dead uh doctor checks on on laurie really quick and then looks back michael myers is gone and we get like the lot like the most like crescendo in of the score of the like the, the movie score in the movie and like we hear like in the score and like in the background is the breathing like the, the, the yeah oh yeah because the whole movie he's been you know he gets uh excited when he goes in for the kill and breathes heavily so yeah that's and that goes into the end of the movie but yeah so that's the movie um we that de- so place in society we kind of we kind of we kind of went over some of its inspirations, um, cl- clear influences towards uh, 
like you said, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, yeah. Friday the 13th, that kind of slasher flick. Like under the horror genre, it like this specific subgenre, it's like slasher, kind of yeah. like the king of, you know what I mean? It's like slasher flick, let's kill some teens. Like, yeah, I mean, and obviously it, it owes to Psycho Hitchcock, you know, before. And, and, and I, that's the other thing. I mean, um, in, I mean, I, I kind of observed that um, not as violent as I uh, thought. Um, you don't actually see a lot of the penetrative stabbings or whatever you know so that was kind of I, I think probably taking from psycho um i don't know yeah i'm trying to think of just 70s horror um in general i mean it was really diverse so you know i mean because like yeah what did i say well you had texas chainsaw uh you know and like was it 74 you had wes craven who went on to do uh nightmare on elm street with uh but but originally there was last house on the left and the hills have eyes um, you had those giallo Italian, I mean, Suspiria, stuff like that coming on the 70s, Exorcist, The Omen was probably, in, you know, following up on The Exorcist, but, and I think maybe Michael Myers as a kid killing people is probably taken from The Omen, you know, so those things yeah. kind of led into each other. You know, the 70s were just, the, like, this really got me thinking, really diverse as far as Jaws, uh, obviously. Um, people might dismiss it just because we got Friday the 13th and Nightmare on not that I, I don't know whatever but um all the mass killers I mean I guess Freddy Krueger's not mass but his face is melted off and kills teens and I mean so people probably got sick of it but just a very consistent era of horror I think um, yeah but diverse I mean all different kinds but yeah the start of slasher with this one definitely um you know so that would be its influence for better or worse i yeah. you know and a lot of it's like place in society and societal influence and uh like influence in film industry in the film industry like ties directly in with i think what some of our recommendations would be some of my recommendations would be well okay this isn't recommendations this is just halloween uh this is my i'd recommend uh, this Blu-ray, this Blu-ray version, it's like that soft cover type. Yeah, uh, the Blu-ray books, they call them. Yeah. Blu-ray books, uh, I love, I, I just love how they feel. Um, uh, yeah, it's got, got some cool, like, like stuff to read here, uh, pictures here. Uh, I like kind of like mixing it up with some unboxings here, and there's the disc. Um, and then uh, my other recommendations would be just as many, as much John Carpenter as you can. Here's the thing. Nothing. Great. Uh, yeah, that's the, it kind of just speaks for itself. Uh, it's a great film. Um, and then like, also just check out like, like we were talking about how like diverse, like how surprisingly diverse, like Carpenter is where like, he kind of does like sci-fi that's like, not even like horror, you know, like, he, like right. Starman and stuff. Yeah. And then like, he can Escape do. Escape from New great. York is sort of sci-fi, like just, I don't know what you call or dystopia like weird. action yeah. flick you know like he does that too pretty pretty damn well yeah, it's like sort of like the and warriors then, meet sci-fi yeah it's so weird and then just like fuck around with some hitchcock so yeah. i have i have this version that's got um uh that's got rear window the birds psycho vertigo and uh north by northwest what are some of your recommendations? I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really think too much about it. Uh, I saw the only one I could like in the world of Carpenter, obviously the thing, but um, even though it's not, you know, 
it's not a very different style of horror from Halloween, which I mean is interesting. But um, my other favorite, I think, Carpenter horror movie would be uh, In the Mouth of Madness with uh, Sam Neill and who else? That was really, I that was probably his next best film. I mean, really fun, really good John Carpenter movie. Uh, probably, yeah, my it, of, of the horror stuff he's done, it'd be my next favorite after, you know, this and the thing, so. All right, Dakota, out of five stars, what rating will you give John Carpenter's Halloween? Uh, four, I guess. I, I don't know. I said that weird. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, because there's some bad acting. It's low budget, but it really does some really creative uh, things, mm. you know, with camera technique. It's not as dumb as you'd think. Like, there are, it's logically consistent in a lot of places, surprisingly. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's an effective horror movie. So, I'd say it's a solid four you know yeah for sure man i give it a four and a half um that's probably uh that that probably feels right for me for whichever standard you know that we like to go by where sometimes it feels like uh we should go based on genre sometimes it's like you know director or just like overall or by the year uh feels four and a half feels right it was so influential to me on the lowest end, it's it's it can be quite mediocre. There's shoddy acting, like I said. On the highest end, there's some really impressive technical accomplishments. It was hugely influential, and for a reason. I mean, it's not it's mm. not just to honor it that I, I I say that. I mean, like it it's it's good still, uh, even though it's been emulated to death. Um, for sure. You know, the the scares still work a lot of the time, and and yeah. So uh, I'll stick with the four just because it's in between those two, um, but. A, a very yeah definitely a movie you just kind of have to watch especially on halloween so um, of course and then on that note i like i'd like to ask everyone to uh please hit the like button subscribe on you know on youtube uh on on youtube spotify wherever other podcasts are found it uh switch it up if you're, if you're following on youtube Follow us on Spotify. If you're following us on Spotify, follow us on YouTube. Um, check out our Patreon. We got one of those going now. And most importantly, though, have a happy Halloween. Uh, I'm Nate. The co-host is Dakota. Happy Halloween. Have a great night, everybody.